Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode 32. Yeah, baby, build tomorrow. <laughs> so, tonight we've got a different mix in the studio. We've got our, um, our usual lineup. You've got Bradley Burrows. I've got no microphone. Skip Parker's Skip, Skip Parker uh, in the in the uh, in the background uh, manning the uh, manning the sound desk. Myself, Paul Spain, and our special guest in the studio, Paul Boschoff, GM for the Personal Systems Group at Hewlett Packard in New Zealand. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming along. Welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Great. So we've got a uh, a good lineup tonight. A whole mix of uh, of different technology gadget and consumer electronics news and discussion points. Now, first up, Brad, you've got a big one tomorrow, something that um, you seem quite excited about. Tell, tell us. Tell what, us what, what it is. Which one are you going to go about? The, the JB Hi-Fi 9am sitting out the front yeah, of the store? Yeah, well, what's, oh, okay, that, cool. what's that about? So for all the geeks out there except Skip Parker, um, Star Wars comes out on Blu-ray tomorrow. And I've waited 30-something years for this moment to be out on Blu-ray. 30 uh, years. No one had thought of it's Blu-ray. Been, it hadn't been a spark in anyone's eye 30 years look, ago. I'm sure Lucas had it in his THX model. But, um, <laughs> I, look, I know I was, I've, I've got a confession. I, I had a Blu-ray player, um, a Blu-ray drive in my PC, and I actually went out and bought a Blu-ray dr- um, player. A just, standalone player. standalone player just for this for tomorrow. So I've got it all set up, ready to go, and tomorrow morning I'll go down and, and buy all six discs and uh, 40 hours of bonus footage, and um, yeah, away I go, Blu-ray. Wow. I'm excited. Wow. I'm sorry. Skip's disgusted with me this evening. We've been having huge debates on this show about this, but it is, look, for a lot of people out there, this is going to be awesome to, to see Star Wars and its true crispness, so I'm rather excited. So you're going to blow it up and put it on your projector and oh yeah yeah and now the uh, the one thing I was thinking about because Skip was teasing me that you know how much more can Lucas milk out of this um, Skip I just thought of one he could release it in 3D <laughs> so there might be a 3D version coming out soon so that's the only way I can see he can spin another version off but yeah that just came to me in the last 30 seconds maybe IMAX. Oh, okay, four, there we go, IMAX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's all sorts of possibilities yeah. here, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's good, it's going to be good, so if you are interested in, in the Star Wars trilogy, oh, not, was it, six tablet, is it six one? Something like yeah. that. What I'm looking forward to really is the, uh, will be the remake. That, that's got to be, you know, maybe 10, 15 years out, we're going to see all this stuff remade using the newer technology. <laughs> yeah, completely digitally animated, just like Avatar. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, okay. Anyway, so that's tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Um, I've seen on JB Hi-Fi is $79 for the, the budget version or 134 for the ultimate pack that every person should own in the world. Excellent, excellent. Now, is this also going to be available sort of streaming-wise or, you know, have you heard anything about no. about that? I, I doubt the, it. For those of us who, um, you know, don't like this old school physical media type thing. I, d- I doubt this one. I think this one's going to be um, old school media for a little while just yet. Interesting. Now, great to have you in the studio, Paul. Um, Thank you very much. Now, you're, you've been running the um, personal systems group within HP here in New Zealand for, was it a couple of years now? Or? I've only been in New Zealand for a year, but before that I was uh, in the same position in South Africa. Okay. With Hewlett Packard, of course. Great. So, what does that that personal systems group sort of consist of? That's PCs, laptops. I guess it would, the touchpad was part of that um, group while that was around. Yes, I, I guess it's best described as the as the as the client side computing part of Hewlett Packard's business. 
So we're responsible for all of the client, the, the sort of customer-facing products, if you like, desktops, notebooks, uh, what was the touchpad. Uh, we've had phones on and off in various countries across the world, but also workstations, thin clients, pretty much anything that a, that a, a computer user would use and interface with directly. Okay, okay. It's a it's a really big portfolio, isn't it? It it forms thirty odd percent of Hewlett Packard's international revenue, so it's wow. a very big part of the company. And I think it's probably what we maybe after printers, but certainly what we're best known for in the general public. Mm. Yeah, we were just talking just before we went to air around the, the market share, and it's what is it the highest? You were telling us it's the highest in APEC. We're very proud of New Zealand market share. We on the consumer products, uh, we have thirty six percent according to GFK, the research firm, and overall we're at about thirty four, which is pretty much ten ten percent higher than any other country that I'm aware of in our region, and certainly in the highest in the world. Okay. So we really have good traction and lots of support from our customer base here. And I need to use the opportunity to say thank you very much for the support. Yeah, no, I mean, we're all HP here except for Paul. So um, we just want to highlight that to our listeners that Mr. That, Paul Spain is. You could have been 37% if Paul had pulled the, you know. There has to be one in every room. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm enjoying the ThinkPad here that uh, <laughs> Lenovo are giving me online. So, um, yeah, it's quite a cool one. But, right. um, yeah. So we're going to fire some questions at you. So, WebOS. So what what's the go with WebOS? Because it got obviously we we were big fanboys of it to be honest. We saw it in the US, and Paul and I got quite excited about it when we saw it at Best Buy. And then suddenly we got told it's gone. It's gone from every de- every device. There, are, I read there's a lot of um, talk about having it on printers and and a lot of other devices. Are you able to give us the complete? nuts and bolts of what's happening with WebOS? I can certainly tell you where we stand today, and WebOS will continue as a product. Um, like you, it's a, I believe it's probably one of the, the most important assets that we own today. It's a completely differentiated operating system mm-hmm. built from the ground up. It has all of the features that we believe the market needs in terms of agility, been written for a mobile device, all of those things. The couple of people that have used it love it, myself included, and the board has made the statement that WebOS will continue. We will continue to invest in the product. We'll continue to develop it. The only part of that that has changed is that when we introduce the tablet, the tablet being the, the hardware version of the WebOS solution, the tablet itself, the product that we brought to market, the board has made the decision to stop that particular product. Okay, so we're going to see it lined across the printers and everything else, which is great because I think the, the, the UI suits that definitely. Is there a chance it could get resurrected in some form in the future for a tablet, or is that something you just can't, you don't have no idea about? Well, the only thing I have seen is a specific statement again from the board saying, we recognize the importance of the tablet market, and we will be in the tablet market. Okay, that's good. That could mean many things, yes. <laughs> but we will be in the tablet market, and we certainly continue to invest in WebOS. And whether that means licensing it to other companies, whether it means licensing other companies' hardware products on the operating system, I don't know. But we've sold a significant number of units. So there is an, there is an ecosystem out there already. In New Zealand alone, we sold about 2,500 units. So there is a WebOS customer base already out there, and we, continue to con- we will continue to invest in that. Well, they did sell pretty quickly once the um, once that price drop was, was announced, <laughs> as, as we heard from a lot of listeners who were keen to get their hands on one, so uh, hence why we've got one to give away tonight. It's probably the last one in the country. It probably is. <laughs> so, the, the, so the, for the developer community that's out there, WebOS is a good ecosystem still to work on as a development platform as well? 
I think that's fair. Uh, you know, to be honest, things are a little on ice now until the hardware product comes out uh, to supplement the software yep. part of it. But I, uh, yeah, only a personal view, it's a big differentiator for us. HP can do nothing but continue that investment and maximize the benefit that we have from the asset. Cool. Well, we, we certainly hope that there will be some bits and pieces coming down the the tubes and the not-too-distant future around that. It will be interesting to... Uh, Interesting to see. Now, can you can you give us a little bit of a of a picture? Also, the other announcement that was made at the same time as um, you know when when we heard that the touchpad was being discontinued was around um, the PC division or the, the personal systems group and and its future within HP. And there's been a lot of sort of talk and speculation and around that that oh look HP are going to stop selling PCs and so on. What's the I guess now that you've had a chance to sort of, um, you know, get all the details, can can you maybe sort of break that down a little bit for us? Sure, and, and thanks. I'm very grateful to have this opportunity. It's probably fair to say, and for the for the listeners that that aren't up to speed with the developments, about ten days ago, uh, during our quarterly results announcement in the US, what would probably be best described as a very cryptic release was was made saying that HP was going to get out of the PC business, and this being the US, kind of that's where the lights were switched off in the evening, and the next morning the lights obviously switched on in New Zealand, and you can imagine you know, the panic and all of the concern this caused with our customers, with our channel partners, and even, of course, with our staff. I'm sure you got a few uh, panicked phone calls in the morning. I had a couple of phone calls and a couple of mails and all <laughs> kinds of very interesting conversations. But the long and short of it is we're in the PC business. We, we're in the PC business to win. We will continue to do just that. Um, I'm very happy to say that HPA has no intention of walking away from the PC business. We're the number one vendor uh, worldwide. We, as you heard earlier, we also hold the number one position in terms of market share. We we continue to grow. We're the most profitable PC business. It's a forty billion dollar organization in its own right. Wow. So, so where where would that rank it globally? Do you, you so if it was spun off and and listed separately in terms of the Fortune five hundred, be number sixty globally. So in terms globally. Of, globally. Wow. So in terms of just in terms of revenue, it's bigger than a company like Coca Cola, as an example. So it's massive. It's forty, literally forty-two billion dollars turnover every year. That's wow. just the PC division of Hewlett Packard as a standalone. So clearly, you know, for HP to make an announcement that we're getting out of the PC business, I guess it's fair to say that you know the announcement was very cryptic. So a lot of people read a lot of things into that. But the long and short of it, the board has a suspicion that our the HP shareholders may be better served with the PC business off the listed Wall Street entity. Oh. It's as simple as that. And having been with HP now for about seven years, this is definitely not the first time we've gone through this exercise. And the out the outcome is definitely not foregone, if I can put it that way. You know, there's a number of different options. One of them may be that absolutely nothing changes. So the PSG management team have been given a mandate to go and validate whether this suspicion that the shareholders would be better served is true or not. Should they come back with a, with a finding that no, in fact, the PC business should remain where it is, that's the way things will continue. Another option would be that another organization buys the PC business. As I said to you just now, I think that's relatively unlikely mm. just because of the scale and scope of this, this business. 
And the board has subsequently come out and made a very specific statement saying that it's the board's preference that the, the PC business should be spun off. Basically meaning that it will be removed from the listed entity, um, the listed entity being the HP Wall Street listed business, which is obviously subject to all of Wall Street's requirements, and then a standalone sort of separate company created to run the PC business. And with that would come all kinds of things, hopefully, like flexibility, flexibility, agility. This is such a dynamic market that those are all of the things that are very difficult to reconcile with not only Wall Street requirements, but also the corporate entity, which is a relatively slow-moving, yeah. very large beast. So, you know, personally, I'm I'm particularly excited about this. I think now that we've started talking to our customers and our channel partners, I think they're getting more excited about it. And I, I really think it's awesome, to be honest. HP has done this before. HP, years and years and years ago, used to be a medical supply company. And that was spun off into something, well, it had a large component, which was a medical supply company. But that was spun off into a company called Agilent. Now, Agilent is still running as an independent um, business today on its own right, independently and off the Wall Street listing. So, you know, we're particularly excited about option three. The board has said that is HP's preference for that to be an outcome. So, you know, business as usual. We're going to continue winning. We're going to continue bringing new innovative products to market. We're going to be continuing to look after our customers. There should be no concern. And just to put a little bit of a time frame around that, we believe by December this year, the, the course should be mapped out for us. So we we have a good idea that certainly by December this year we'll know what the outcome is going to be. And then at least another 12 to 18 months on from there would be the sort of implementation of whatever that outcome might be. So certainly customers shouldn't be concerned. We're there. We're going to continue unabated. We've got a range of exciting new products sitting in, this, in the screens about to be launched. We'll continue to do just that. It's, it's amazing how fast the media can spin something out of control. I remember... When the announcement was made, we all sort of got on the calls to each other and we we're like, this can't be happening. And the next minute, it was the drama queen mentality of, you know, the PC PC division. No, the PC world's going to end now. You know, let it, let it be a Mac world and let it be an Android world. It was just incredible how fast that statement from the board spun out of mm. completely out of control for a lot of us. So that's been really good to hear you sort of just pull it together and sort of give us a clear view on what's going on there. I think we need to also take some ownership for that because it was a very cryptic release. Mm. It was. I, re- I actually reread that a few times mm. just to try and clarify what was going on. So did I. But <laughs> <laughs> I think certainly for our customers, I, I, I owe all of you an apology. It must have caused a little bit of angst and, and uh, I guess a scare in terms of warranties and support and all that kind of stuff. But I hope everyone is reassured that that's certainly not an issue. Good. Oh, that's helpful. So now you're talking a little bit about futures. Can you give us an idea of some of the uh, newer products that we're likely to sort of see come through um, in, in the next little while? Well, you know, we don't generally talk about futures, but I, I think certainly if we're talking about notebooks as an example, thin and light is definitely where everyone is going. So, you know, that's the kind of thing we'll support. Um, we've always got lots of plans. We've got uh, the most exciting range of even touch smart PCs out uh, just around the corner, so about maybe about three weeks away from from now, we'll have Great. them in retail here in New Zealand. Um, some really exciting developments in terms of monitors. There's there's always. I mean, for me, you know, I think the the biggest kick I get out of my job is seeing literally every week new products, new stuff coming. I, I'm very proud of the designs that we have, and you know, 
we really, in many ways, we just lead, but we do so almost with a sort of relentless execution, which for me is really particularly exciting. So you, just, you sort of mentioned about yourself. So what are you, what's your favorite piece of technology? What do you use at the homes? In the office, obviously HP, but at home, <laughs> you know, what, what, do you, what do you enjoy using at the moment? So your phones and your devices at home, what's the sort of the key things you like to play with? Well, you're right. Um, certainly top to bottom HP. I guess everyone would understand why. Yeah. Um, I've got an HP phone, which is a, a special staff-only phone. So I love that. It also uses WebOS. Oh, uh, really? And it's completely, I mean, the experience using that and a, and a tablet, which has got WebOS um, and our laptops, is just unequaled. So I just love that. I've got all kinds of interests, really. I, I, you know, I also have to admit I've got a, a sort of a level of ADD, so I don't like battling with things. So for me, <laughs> I love new technology, but I don't like fiddling. So I like everything. I've, I'm also an avid mountain biker, and the technology that I use with that mostly is GPS. And I just love the concept of GPS and mapping and all of the stuff you can do with that. So integrating all of that with my with my laptops and you know being able to track routes and training programs and all that kind of stuff, music, having access to everything. I travel quite a lot, so certainly having access to all of my pictures. My family are obviously not in this country, so being able to travel and show people pictures and music and experiences and all that kind of stuff, whatever supports that, and I just love toys. So for me, it's always whatever is new. I'm very keen to have a look at it. As long as it doesn't cause me to battle. And and you do you use a lot of cloud services and stuff like that to do it. So what are you what are you sort of you, you talked about um, having those photos available and everything and music. What are the services you use around there? Yes, and to be honest, I'm I'm probably a bit of a late adopter because I'm. I think the other part of my personality, which I can see in my technology, is a little bit of a control freak. So. I still have to get my head around the fact that, you know, you get given a certain amount of free space somewhere in the cloud. And I tend to wonder, when do you start paying for that? And, you know, how quickly do you run out of space? So I'm definitely a late adopter. And, and mostly I've been using them piecemeal and uh, typically in very small scale. Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show, Paul. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So great to... Uh, Great to hear what's happening in the HP world now. Let's cut across to our listener question for the week. Yeah, look, so we had, I had a few responses on Twitter over the last couple of weeks around Netflix, and obviously I'm a big fanboy around Netflix and strong VPN. Um, one of the questions I got was that a lot of the um, these subscription services require you to have a US-bound um, credit card to be able to get your services online. So a way of getting around this is by a company called IntroPay. There's um, a couple of ways, aren't there, of yeah, getting there around it? But it seems this to is be the this is the this seems to be the most reliable way. Now, uh, right? uh, yeah, this is this is absolutely brilliant. So the website is www.entropay.com, and to give you a quick summary, what it does is you have to go through a, um, a bit of security to verify who you are and you have to send them some copies of some driver's license and bits and pieces and you can do that all online. Is this to make sure you're not part of the Taliban or something? Pretty much you're not part of the Taliban. Because they can tell that from the yeah, licenses. Yeah. And so from there what they, <laughs> what you do is you give, obviously you have to give your local credit card details and it's all via HTTPS, so secure and everything. And then they create a virtual visa card for you. So what that enables you to do is you can then top up your virtual credit card off your New Zealand credit card and then you just register your um, virtual credit card via Netflix and away you go. 
So yeah, it, it allows you then to have your subscription services and you uh, have a full US-based um, residence for getting through the Netflix stuff. So um, with a lot more validation or like um, with Zoom and those services which you can't use in your New Zealand credit card anymore, um, this works well. If you've already got it working, then don't change it. But yeah, it's a good one for um, kids out there that are trying to get things up and going. And and those of us that aren't quite kids anymore. Yes, you know, we're all kids at heart. I love the fact that you said, you know, nice and secure on HTTPS, which has become really secure since the DigiNota hack. Oh, yeah, what, the, after the... Um, after they uh, yeah, that, that, published that, that, hack, that uh, secure cert, I don't think anything's safe anymore. Yeah, okay, fair no, enough. No, it's, <laughs> that, that's been an interesting one, hasn't it? Because it's really, um, you know, the last week there's just been so much coverage around around that. And... Do you want to give us a bit of a breakdown on that, Skip? Because you're good at explaining some of these, um, yeah, security uh, challenges that that exist, and that's uh, that's a pretty genuine one today. It is a pretty major one, and so the concept is uh, you have secure websites all over the world that you do banking and all sorts of stuff with, and they have a certificate on there which validates that they are who you're connected to. Mm-hmm. But part of the relationship is that certificate is created by a trusted source or a trusted company. So you've got the likes of VeriSign and all those companies. There's a company in, in um, the Netherlands called no, uh, DigiNota. Is DigiNota? Yeah, that's, yeah right, yep. that's right. And they um, uh, they recently got hacked. Well, not quite hacked. They, they didn't quite have all the processes in place to stop people from doing not quite legit things. And some guys managed to, uh, I guess, get some certificates issued for Google.com. Yep. But uh, like wildcard certificates. So you could have um, apps.google.com or bank.google.com or click here for freestuff.google.com and it would have a secure certificate that would look like it was from Google. Yep. So, you, so does it, that means that somebody could set up, for instance, a fake, let's say, Gmail site yes, and attach that certificate to it, ask you to log in, yes. then they're actually stealing your username and your password after that, maybe they forge you through to the legit one so you don't notice or whatever they happen to exactly. to do, but they might grab all your details along the way. That's exactly it. And now they've also done it for a couple others, uh, including some Microsoft.com addresses, one of them being the Windows Update addresses. Now, um, this guy, uh, who's supposedly from Iran, has made a claim that he is now able to break into the Windows Update process for Windows machines. Now, Microsoft account said this is totally not going to happen. Uh, there's much more to the security in these Windows updates than just a certificate, uh, so that's not going to be a, a problem. But what Microsoft have done is released a patch, which you should download from Windows Update, ironically enough, uh, <laughs> which nullifies all the DigiNota certificates. So Microsoft probably will never, ever use a DigiNota certificate ever again. Um, and if, a lot if, of other well, they may, need, they may never have used one in the first place, but they provided support for it because they were considered a trusted firm. That's right. right at yeah. one point, yep. So there's there's something there's a, yeah. I mean that's that's uh, something Microsoft's done. I think DigiNotar's days are pretty much numbered. This is a big mistake for them. 
they've had to clean up their uh, act a bit. Now, the interesting thing is the likes of um, Apple, I don't think, have been able to release a patch for this yet to clean that up for iOS and stuff like that. Um, I'd well, just like to interject there. They've just released one. I just have they've they? Just, I, I, I'm just trying to find the article. I read this last night after we had it at a pre-show, and they actually have released one for the Lion operating system, but not iOS. Right, yeah. And this is part of the issue is older um, phone, smartphone software, even the Windows 6.5, uh, smartphone software. The updates to those are pretty tricky to manage, and certificate root certificates are really tricky to manage on these devices. So, yeah, it's something to be a little bit cautious of. But definitely, like we say every almost every week, update. Make sure you got the latest updates because it's certainly going to help. Independent of what your operating system is, whether it's Linux, Android, Microsoft, Apple, just make sure you've got these updates to make yourself secure. Yeah. Good. That's yeah. I think it, that's that's pretty important stuff. It really is. Now, other news. Yes. Now, Mister, you, you run a business, don't you, Paul? I do. And have you ever fired someone by a phone call? <laughs> and uh, then, and then that person sent an email to the company saying, "I've just been fired by a phone call." No, no, it hasn't hasn't happened in my firm. Um, happened recently, though, didn't it, for someone else? Yeah, yeah. That um, was the CEO of Yahoo in the states. Yeah, Carol Bartz, two years into a ten-year, multi-million, billion-dollar, no, million-dollar contract. And uh, the board called her up on a conference call and said, you're fired. And then and then they didn't shut down her account. They allowed her to send out a whole lot of emails to everyone just saying, I've just been fired. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. And, and I guess it's one of those uh, typical things that we see today in business where technology is not well um, linked into business planning in so many regards. And this is just this is just one example where... You know, for you and me, we look at it and say, "Well, you should have cut off the email account before you uh, before you fired her or at the same time, etc." Um, but you know, there was obviously some fallout because they didn't do that. So, what you're saying is that the HR department and the IT department don't really talk much. No, it's an epic fail, really. Isn't yeah, it? And, and unfortunately, is the case in a lot of businesses. Yeah, but look, I, I look, it, 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 Yahoo's not in a good space right at the moment. I, I think. They obviously brought this lady in to, to try and fix the business up and give it some direction. She's been in there two years. From all reports, she's been MIA. They've now got an interim person doing it. Um, it it's a shame because, I mean, they're, they're obviously a big content provider out there for like like AOL and those type of organizations. And, yeah, they've gone a bit sort of rudderless at the moment. Yeah, we had the um, Yahoo MSN um, portal in New Zealand for, you know, for a while. And that went. Um, and then the, the, all, that, all that changed. Um, but... I mean, Yahoo hasn't had a huge, you know, a huge presence here in New Zealand compared to, you know, it's Europe's big. It's positioning in yep. the US and Europe, right? Yeah, Europe's very, very big. But yeah. they provide a lot of content for um, a lot of the portal systems over there, Google and bits and pieces of back end, or they used to. So, yeah, it's interesting to see what's going on. Now, some other news. Did you guys read about these new jelly batteries? Yes. That are, that are coming soon. These, this is oh, really, really interesting, isn't it's it? It's just bizarre, isn't it? So, I, I was just laughing. A jelly battery? What? I mean, what, what, what would that look like? Yeah, well, the thing is, it's obviously beginning in a contained module. But I know. But no, but obviously, it's it's a really cool concept that they're trying to reduce. What is it? The lithium, the lithium batteries, the chemicals inside that there 
They're trying to get away from having all those dangerous chemicals and being exposed. And this actually came off the back of the Dell battery recall from 2006 or eight. I can't quite and remember. There, the I mean, there have been a number, but there yeah. are definitely risks around uh, fire and explosions, yeah. and you know, various risks around the current batteries that we have, right? Yeah, but the the problem is that you've got uh, hardware vendors that are trying hard to build uh, bigger, faster, better, slimmer devices. But the problem is a lot of these devices still require a lot more. When you've got a lot more cores mm. happening on a PC, it's going to require a lot more power. There is some work around trying to reduce the power draw on these devices. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we need more power. And so what Dell did is they packed the batteries with a lot of a lot of battery, a lot of battery. And the problem is with a lot of battery all packed together tightly, um, it tends to overheat and catch fire. So the replacement batteries that Dell brought out, I don't know if you read, they actually reduced the amount of capacity in the battery yep. so that they wouldn't blow up. Yeah, now, that, that's one of the issues. I mean, we need a lot of capacity. So, you, you know, I mean, you could look at some sort of nuclear atomic battery, but... That probably wouldn't get wouldn't work here in New Zealand with our nuclear free stance. So I think this jelly battery is is a good idea uh, because it'll work in countries like ours and, and others. Your little one would end up eating the damn battery, Paul. <laughs> 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 the kids would be going, oh, "Mum, I just had this great jelly." Oh, there goes Dad's laptop for another week. I think it's very <laughs> exciting, though. I mean, this is great, great. It's great that people are looking at this technology, and it, it, essentially, it allows us to push further down the path of doing more processing power more features on a laptop. I mean, you can get better battery life out of your phones and everything. I mean, this is going to be the next iteration of battery if they can pull this off. Yeah, well, they're talking about it not only being safer, but uh, lower cost, potentially um, 80 to 90% less than the cost of current batteries today, which would be a dramatic drop in in production cost, um, as well as, you know, getting a lot more uh, power for for the same size or, or having smaller batteries that that've still got more juice than current batteries so electric all around cars. it sounds positive electric cars yep it's look it's all concept based stuff yep. at the moment so well, let's just hope someone picks up on it and moves forward with it be good mm. I mean there have been a lot of the you know we're always hearing of these little inventions and and a lot of them don't end up making it to market so this this is certainly one of those that that, that we hope makes it through. Now, Windows 8, yes. is that is kind of the big, big buzz, buzz the mm. big thing that's happening uh, this week. Now, we're, we're, we're uh, in the studio here Tuesday night. The, uh, the announcements will be, will be coming through in probably 12 hours or so. Um, yeah, they'll, about 12 they'll, hours, start, yeah. they'll start coming, coming through. But um, there's been some interesting things in the last week. Uh, there was the video that um, was was put on the MSDN website showing Windows 8 booting from cold in two seconds. Yeah, so the person actually took out the battery, plugged the battery in, press on. What was it? Two seconds? No. It was, it was around. It was two around. Half, two, it was two, around. Yeah, yeah two, two or three seconds. And, for it's it to pho- boot. and that was not just the logo, but actually in the OS, which was phenomenal speeds. Just, just stunning. Yeah. Um, and that was on not on. Well, we actually don't know the hardware platform. They didn't actually specify it, but um, I hope it's on ARM. But it's build. So I think there was yeah. a. Was there an HP logo that came up on the machine? I think I think there was, if I remember correctly, on that particular one. It did come up with the vendor. The vendor uh, logo as it's going through the power on self test. I'm assuming it didn't have any Adobe Reader software loaded. <laughs> that might be unkind, unkind, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, there are certain products that slow down the operation, <laughs> but obviously of a normally quick machine. What we're all talking about here is tomorrow is going to be built. They're going to hopefully we. I, I pray that they're going to announce 
a beta or or a developer preview or something that we can all get our hands on tomorrow. Um, and I'm hoping that they're going to show off some hardware that's going to be running Windows 8. I'm actually going to be getting up at 4 a.m. to watch it. Um, and then as soon as the download's available, I'm going to be trying to get it because I've got a device that I want to put it on to see how it works, a touchscreen device. Yeah. Oh, it's an HP TouchSmart, not a, a Windows 8 device. But, yeah, from my perspective, I mean, I know nothing about it. Internally, from a, put my Microsoft hat on now, there has been nothing. It is brilliant. This is absolutely – I am so pleased the way they've done this. So just to clarify, tomorrow they are going to announce everything, a lot of things – or it's still unknown as to what they're going to announce tomorrow. Okay, if I'm being, I'll be a hundred percent honest here. I actually don't know what, what's going on. I really, really don't. And so they could just flash a tablet or whatever device yeah, they could, up and then go, "Thanks for coming." They could. Well, they, well the build conference is all about getting uh, developers and hardware vendors and so on on board. So they they need to sort of sell as much of the story as as you know share as much of the story so as they can so it should be if all open so it, it so, should be lift up the skirt mentality yeah, yeah. yeah so they should they should really sort of share share you know most of the secrets and you know even if we look at the um the the blog that Microsoft have been running for the past few weeks you know they've already started opening up with quite a lot of details about Windows 8 like these boot times and uh, we also heard about the virtualization that's going to be uh, built in with the full blown uh, Hyper-V capabilities as well um, so you know yeah they've released a chunk of info already but build is really the event where they where they will go into overload on it I don't think there's any question about yeah, that um, they will they yeah. must but yeah. I, I think it's beyond just Windows 8 as well um, hopefully they're going to do um Windows Phone, Mango, and then the next future releases. They might even talk about that. That's one of the things that the rumor mill is doing on the internet at the moment. But they've already announced that they are going to have some phone stuff there. So it's going to be, a, hopefully, the whole ecosystem coming together, which is going to be really, really interesting. So, yeah, 4 a.m. tomorrow morning for all of you that want to get up. Okay, and, you, you've sold me on the 4 a.m. start now. Yeah, we are. We're going to get up and watch that as a yep. team. All right, cool. Now, this next one is going to cause some controversy. You put this in just to aggravate me, didn't you? <laughs> what are you talking about? Apple TV is not a TV device, and no, it doesn't deserve a second chance. Well, no. Actually, there's... Uh, no. Yeah, well, okay, no, quite. you're both llamas. Both of you are llamas. <laughs> you're both llamas. I'm sorry. No. Right, so let, let, me, tell, let me tell you what happened. So the, the past week, virtually since the last episode, um, I've mostly been in bed sick with um, with... My ears ringing. Um, anyway, so um, so being at home, not too much to do. I decided. Look, I've I've got this Apple TV sitting here, which I brought back from um, my yeah, cache of um, <laughs> uh, of achievements while I was in the states, and uh, that was what one of the last what things that was sitting there that that needed some more time spent with it. So um so I've got into that and I and I've been using the Roku box which is a similar size box uh, slightly smaller um and so I decided well I want to compare these two boxes and I guess the big downside for the Apple TV is that it only does 720p so it doesn't do full HD but what I found was uh for a box that you and the other advantage or the other thing about the Apple TV compared to the Roku is it's available in New Zealand. Anyone can just yeah, go that's out fair and point. buy it. Oh, that's a fair now, point. the Roku box, while it's cool, while it's excellent, you know, pricing as well at you know sixty, seventy bucks, yep. depending on what you know which model you go for, up to a hundred US. Um, it's not you know it's not available. It's not easy to get hold of here in New Zealand. So the Apple TV sort of ticks that box that anyone of our listeners can go out and buy one. 
if if it suits their requirements. So the sort of things that I do on the Roku is um, listen or watch podcasts. Yep. Uh, Netflix, obviously, yep. and then there are a bunch of other services as well that I've used to to varying degrees. But the two main ones at the moment are around Netflix and podcasts. Yep. And what I found for those two things is, you know, look, the Apple TV work, works fine with those services. Yep, mine works great. Um, and in fact, the podcasts, it I found it handled it better than the Roku box. So, in what way? In that. Um, with the Roku box, I might get stuttering on a particular um, bit of content. But you've got a dodgy internet connection. We established that last night. It's a twenty megabit internet connection. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's twenty megabits with the squirrels paper. eating it. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not usually too bad. But um, but yeah, what I found was the Apple TV, and I guess that's a common thing in New Zealand to not have the best internet connection. What I found with the Apple TV is it would take that into consideration and then build up a buffer um, like a good video playback, um, you know, system on your PC would do. It sort of builds up a buffer and then played the content. So I watched some TED TV podcasts yep. and various other things that didn't work so well on the Roku box, but on the on the Apple box, they were they were great. They were flawless. So so, so one one thing for you, well that that's that's a fair fair appraisal. I've I've never really had stuttering on any of them. Um, and one of the big things I've just done recently, which caused me a bit of drama, I think two weekends ago, was I upgraded my firmware on my router to do my VPN connection. Since I've done that, the Roku has been like a Ferrari. I'm getting streaming straight HD now. Not a, not a not a pause. Not a problem. Nothing is going wrong. And, and look, the Apple TV works fine too. So don't don't get me wrong. That's down in the movie theater, and that runs does everything there. But I just find the Roku is just lot quicker and a lot faster to use for me. It's interesting you say that because um, Paul's saying he's had stuttering and issues with Ted on his Roku. I'm on exactly the same ISP as Paul is, on exactly the same data plan. Yeah. I'm not using a the certain router they provided. I'm using a business class Lancom router. And? And it is Minter. So it's You've never had it? Oh, never that's really interesting. <laughs> Paul's playing bricks another yeah. router. <laughs> So no, okay. it, but it does make it a very interesting it point does. that we tend to go and get these devices part of the package deal from yep. an ISP. They're not going to be high-end devices. They're going to get the job done, but they may not have the quality to do a lot of stuff that you want to do, like the HD uh, streaming. So it's probably worth actually looking at getting a decent box with decent firmware to have a play with yep. if uh, you're going to start doing this stuff anyway. Yeah, no, that that that's interesting. And... Um, yeah, oh, the the other thing I should point about at the Apple TV, which was a plus point for it, is being an Apple product, you've got access to the iTunes library. So if you want to go and 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 pay for sort of streaming content uh, like a uh, a movie or a TV series uh, through the um, Apple economy, then you're able to do that. And obviously, there are some differences between whether you've got a New Zealand subscription and a US subscription. Of course, using the US one through the VPN, there is an article up on the nztechpodcast.com website with some details on how to do that. Uh, but And so that's what I was using, the US one, but there is also uh, content available without a VPN uh, for you know for New Zealand New Zealand customers. The, the interesting thing I noticed there is because mostly I've been uh, streaming paid-for movies through the Xbox, again, on a uh, well, between a New Zealand and a US subscription, I noticed that the Apple content seemed to be fairly similar uh, to what is available through Microsoft's Zoom service. I would have thought it would have been bigger. Really? It, I, it, 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 oh, yeah, wow. It probably was bigger. 
Um, but the sort of noticeable movies and bits and pieces that 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 you know that jumped out were ones that I recalled having having seen on Microsoft service as well. So, you know, yeah, I just thought that was it. That, no, that, fair that was interesting. But I think that is another plus point for the Apple TV, uh, you know, compared to uh, Roku. So there you go. Now, this is a good one for people that uh, use Link, uh, which used to be called Office Communicator, and you don't have a PC. They've now got a Link client out for the Mac. So Ooh. this is sort of probably particular interest to those who are either looking at or have jumped into uh, Office 365 because you know yep. Link is is part of that. Or if you're with a you know with a really big business that has uh, yeah has Link ha- has Link, but most you know smaller users tend to be the uh, uh, those using it through their Office 365 subscription yeah subscription but, right. But we don't there isn't a iOS version, which means there isn't an iPad version out yet. Um, but for the Mac. The, the rumor mill suggests that that's uh, that's coming in the next little while, though. I hope so. I really do. But so. Um, but yeah. So for obviously for your for Macintosh users now that do have Link in their on workspace, um, yeah, you've got a full Link client, which is kind of cool. So they'll be out first of October, apparently. Cool, cool. Yeah. Ex- no, I mean, what I've heard is that it is coming to there is something coming to iOS and Windows Phone and so on pretty pretty soon, and and uh, obviously we'll uh, you know we have to wait a little bit longer for that, but that's all good news. Bets on that one that you have to go to the Microsoft site to get it. Because the one thing I've spotted the other day is I couldn't get Office through the new Mac oh. app marketplace or whatever they call it. I'd thought of CD, so. so but it, you can download, it from, you can download yeah. it from the Microsoft oh. site. Okay, you can purchase it through Microsoft and download it. just seems that Microsoft don't put apps into the marketplace. I, I'm not sure if that's the case. Or they, do, they do it with the free app. So if it's a free app, then it's in the marketplace. So the, um, the connector for Windows Phone 7... Is in the yeah. uh, is in Apple's yeah. marketplace, uh, but I don't think they want to be giving uh, all their profits or a thirty percent chunk of their uh, whatever the margin is to um, to a competitor like Apple. So it might be worth just keeping an eye on both sites. That's a good call. Both spaces. I, I'm I'm imagining Apple will do similar things for their products on Windows Eight when Windows Eight comes out with its uh, its App Store marketplace thingy. If it so has one, it has one. <laughs> All right, mo- moving right along. Yep, <laughs> moving right along. Um, Do you need a makeover, Paul? Because Hotmail's getting one. I I've been reading a bit about that, and I'm not sure that it's getting a big makeover. Actually, oh, I've been reading quite a bit. Apparently, it's going to get quite a spruce up for, with HTML5, and I, I think it's going to get a big. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I reckon that's going to be one. Now, this is the rumor mill hat going on. I think it's going to be HTML5, and I think it's going to be all Windows 8 tablet ready to go, gung ho So. Yeah, well, there's an event happening in the next week, I think it is. Uh, next few couple of weeks. Yeah, um, and um, they're going to announce all the new spruce ups they're doing. But um, yeah, the rumor is it's going to be pure HTML5, which is going to be great for people that decide to embrace Windows 8. Yeah, it's in Oct- October that event, so it's it's still yeah. uh, still um, still two or three weeks out. But uh, yeah, look look forward to that one. I must say, I'm not such a big Hotmail user as I as I once was. Um, Hotmail is is a pretty handy um, free mail tool, but you know I do most of my stuff through through Exchange and, and yeah, these I, days I've got to say. Yeah, I, I've got a Hotmail account, but I use all the SkyDrive stuff. Yeah, that's that, what I that, use. I use the other services built into Hotmail, I suppose. And if, when it all ties together, I think then it you know becomes yeah. more enticing yep, to sort point. of make use Good. of it. Um, other bits and pieces of uh, news. There's the mouse without borders. This is cool. This is really cool. Listen, everyone, pay attention now to Paul. 
Now, okay, so the the mouse without borders is quite a is quite a cool concept. Yes, it is. Let's say you're uh, you're someone like Brad that has about a hundred computers in his house, and maybe you've got four of them lined up on the desk next to each other, and you're kind of wanting to do a bit of stuff on one and then on the other, and you know move backwards and forwards between those machines. Uh, Mouse Without Borders uh, is a little uh, tool that uh, some of the researchers within Microsoft have released that basically allows you to link one mouse across multiple screens of multiple computers. So you slide off one screen and you move across onto the next computer, onto the next, onto the next, and so on. Um, it so- sounds pretty handy, actually, kind of like a, um, a virtualized um, one of those little switch boxes you get if you've got multiple computers you're trying to com- control through one sort of keyboard and mouse, but it's all software-based. This isn't anything new. Though I have to say, I mean, there has been software in the past that does this. The thing that I'm really impressed with this Mouse Without Borders solution is you can do drag and drop operations between computers. Yeah, you can you can you and know the, and you the, can and the, copy files from one to you know one desktop to the next. But actual actual GUI drag and drop, mm, which mm. is quite cool, and the cut and paste system. So it goes slightly beyond the idea of having a um, uh, just a keyboard mouse That's emulator true. between. Yeah. It actually does. Uh, clipboard integration, which I think is just a minter. And it's free. Yes, this is cool. It is a very cool piece of software. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I'm uh, I'm definitely going to be having a bit of a play around with, uh, with, with that one. Now, Amazon in the UK have got a little bit of a deal for, uh, for Kiwis. Ooh. You become an Amazon freak when we're in WPC. So tell us about, you know, what else you can be doing with that. Well, you know, when I was in the States, I signed up for their uh, the subscription, which meant I got free, um, you know, free, I think it was two-day shipping on uh, on stuff. Now, that was great. So I ordered heaps of, you know, heaps of stuff. Just about every day I was ordering something <laughs> yes, new. Yes, I like, know. Uh, hence why I ended up with Apple TVs and, and all sorts of gear that I probably didn't actually need. Um, but um, you know, hence that is um, that that is what we do here in Gadgetland, um, and um, you know, part of our podcast lives is that we've got to test out new stuff, and and it gave me an excuse to test out a little bit more than, than this what is I probably Paul's justification to. to his wife right now. So so anyway, so now so that was the Amazon.com site. Now what Amazon.co.uk um, are doing is for uh, customers in New Zealand, Australia, India, and South Africa. Uh, if they go to Amazon.uk, there's certain things you can buy, um, books, uh, CDs, DVDs, uh, you know, music-type stuff, um, that they will actually ship out to you for free. So um, if you're looking for some of that stuff, then worth having a little bit of a look and uh, and seeing whether that relates to you. Cool. No, so, yeah, that, uh, that sounds good. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. good to use those services. Mm. Now, another other little bit of um, Kiwi or New Zealand uh, and Australia relevant uh, news is that um, we understand JB uh, Hi-Fi are going to be launching a music streaming service locally. I guess you could compare it to the sort of the the, the um, Zoom Pass available from Microsoft in the US and and some other markets cool. where you pay a fixed monthly fee and you get access to uh, you know an unlimited uh, music through that subscription. Not too sure on the details whether it's streaming only yet uh, or whether you'll be able to download the music with some sort of rights management. Um, but um, yeah, that's coming apparently uh, next year for, uh, for, for New Zealanders. 
Is it going to be legal with the New Zealand anti uh, uh, piracy laws? Hopefully that law gets ripped out. I think I might run for prime minister or something. I'd vote for you, just just for laughs. (laughs) (laughs) Me and and all the lappers would get in. Yeah, Um, I I don't think I'd inflict that on any country. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, (laughs) Which which is this, the law or Brad? Yeah, (laughs) get rid of the law. (laughs) Um, Well, what what we've heard about that copyright, you know, the copyright law, is that they actually haven't... um, they haven't turned on the, the the piece of legislation yet. That would mean uh, that they can cut off your internet connection, uh, which which is quite interesting. So at the moment they can issue all the bits and pieces, but you can't actually lose your internet connection. And that piece apparently is still a couple of years away. So I, I and and today my understanding is no one has actually had any of those copyright notices. Uh, part of the reason being that uh, ISPs are putting uh, or have found a little. I'm not sure it's a loophole. I think it was designed in there, uh, a piece where when the copyright holders try to go through the process, there is actually a bit of a cost from an administrative perspective for the ISPs. Yep, they can So that. to get to a certain, there's a certain level where they say, well, if you would like us to proceed, there's a $25 um, cost for us to then sort of process that um, um, you know, that, that complaint. And, yeah, to date that's... Um, that may be part of the reason why we haven't actually seen any uh, any copyright complaints. So I think possibly this has sort of been a little bit blown out of proportion because uh, now that the law's in place, we're not seeing anything yet. Now that could could change any time, but um, it doesn't seem as though there's as much of a sting in this law as, as as what some predicted. Now something you got me really excited about was new hard drives coming out because these are whopping big. <laughs> I know, four terabyte hard drives are launching next month. That is so cool. We only just had the three terabytes, you know, so so recently. Now, did you have a price on these in the US? Uh, 250 US for an external drive, four terabytes. That's so just huge. With the New Zealand peso being so strong at the moment, um, we're, what, we're looking to, so looking about 310, maybe 320, around that range? Yeah, remember the US prices always exclude tax. Oh, so, yes, damn tax. Um, so, we're, you know, we're talking at least 350. I would think... You know, bearing in mind that usually US is the sh- has the sharpest prices in the world for tech stuff, um, that we'll see it actually landing between the four and five hundred dollar uh, mark. Um, so this is a new product from Seagate. Initially, it's only available as an external drive, uh, but it won't be long before then you can buy it as an internal and I'd you know break it open straight away and make it internal. Yeah. yeah. So so and that and that tends to be what you know what will happen with early adopters. You're paying for the external box on it but you'll pick that up and throw it away because you want a four terabyte drive in your uh, mm. in your media center system mm. or uh, you want to hack your sky box and put it in mm. your um, sky hdi box or something. and mm. record sky for the next 10 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i mean you know a drive that big you might say well how can anyone ever use up the storage but it's that video type stuff um <laughs> that users like brad will will definitely go through it and yeah, certainly I like to record a whole lot of stuff through my media centre system and just to be able to go through and pick all of the television you might maybe want to watch. Uh, if you've got a four terabyte drive, that's going to give you plenty of room to do it. Oh, yeah. Good luck finding the time to watch four terabytes worth of television. Yeah, not, true. Not going to find the time to watch it, but it's nice to have it there just in case. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> in <laughs> case. You sound like my wife. Why do you need to record all that stuff? Because I can, sweetie, because I can. <laughs> exactly. I love you very much, but just that's we're recording it. Um, now, somewhat on some Google news, um, I didn't realise Ice Cream Sandwich is really, really close to coming out, the next version of Android. 
Yeah, Eric Schmidt, um, the former CEO, and uh, and and now um, is he board chairman uh, of Google? Uh, let that let that slip, or made that announcement. I'm not sure whether he's supposed to be making all these announcements. He's he's sort of been uh, deposed of a CEO role, but uh, seems to be going around the world speaking at various events and and letting slip all sorts of uh, news. And so, yeah, the next version of Android. Uh, will be uh, will be finalised uh, in the October November time frame. Apparently, that's he, that's quick. He's probably a major shareholder, so he's probably allowed to do that. Yeah, well, yeah, he is a major shareholder, but um, yeah, I, I I don't know whether they have any internal politics and issues ar- ar- around that, but uh, he seems to be the guy that front that fronts up for the company a lot still. So uh, yeah, there we go. Um, now, the, what the, I guess my concern about this is we've got. Uh, ice cream sandwich coming through. It's a new version of Android. What do we call it? Version four, maybe. Um, it sort of brings together what's in version three, which is is aimed just at the tablets, uh, and what's in the various two point X releases, which is aimed at the phones. Um, but the the sort of issue that we've had, um, or that we've seen with a lot of the the Android devices, is that they're not getting the newest releases. They're not get you know they're not able to be upgraded or it takes six to twelve months to um, you know to get the new version if a new version becomes available. Yeah, and I mean that, that's a big concern. I mean, I mean this is a problem that they've got to hopefully sort out. And hopefully they're typing up, I'm um, tightening up that ecosystem to make sure that the updates get forced out there. So we've been running a little competition uh, in conjunction uh, with my firm Gorilla Technology, who have sponsored a, a touchpad to give away. Thanks, Gorilla. Thank you, Gorilla. Thanks to the rest of the team for giving up their uh, their touchpad. Huge, huge hugs from Paul, and he'll obviously all buy you coffee tomorrow morning. <laughs> I think coffee and donuts, actually. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, what's this? This HP guy's left something behind here. Oh, oh looks like Paul from HP's oh, left behind. A, he's left behind a one terabyte simple save, instant backup free. Should we give it away? Yeah, let's, let's do, it. do it. Let's do it. That, that's actually a really styly looking drive. They're that's very cool. cool. Did, did he mean to leave this, leave this behind? Don't know, but we've got it now, so we're going to give it a All right, so we'll give it away, right? Yeah, it sounds good Okay, all right. So we'll do a runner-up, and then we'll do a winner. So we're actually going to give this away, and then we'll deal with HP PR tomorrow, whenever they yell at us. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he just meant to chat about this, but... uh, (laughs) We'll give it away anyway. Anyway. Uh, All right, so our runner-up winner in the competition is Nick Bodica. Oh, Nick, congratulations. So, Nick, you have just won the uh, Simple Save external... um, Terabyte drive. We've got your uh, details, so oh, um, we, we will be in touch. And the grand winner of the HP Touchpad. Now these things are like collectors' items at the moment. So you're going to give it to me, right? No, oh. man. We've been yeah. People, everyone's been wanting this. These are uh, hot properties. But the name that's come come out of the electronic hat is Jonathan Hager. Oh, well Jonathan, well done. I know who you are on Twitter too, Mr. Everyday Manager, and congratulations. Ah, okay. Yes, congrats, mate. You might even be listening on the stream. Is he on the stream, Scap? I haven't seen a response, but it's no. a bit of a delay. So a bit yeah. of a delay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we'll hear. So, uh, yeah, so congratulations, guys. Uh, thanks very much to everyone who's, who's entered. Uh, we will be keeping more competitions uh, rolling here on the NZT podcast, so uh, definitely keep keep a close watch. Don't miss an episode because that's how you'll miss out on uh, on entering these competitions. Yeah, because we're giving away Paul's car next week, aren't we? <laughs> hey? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, don't leave things behind in our studio. That's the problem. That's the rule of thumb. Right. So, it's yeah, it's that time of the show where we give out our, our Twitter handle. So uh, anyone who wants to follow me or, uh, or send me a, a tweet, 
My handle is at Paul Spain. Very easy. Very easy. Now, mine is, for Twitter, is at Brad Bohr, or you can get me at the NZT Podcast, bradley.borrows at nztpodcast.com, because these guys already broadcast my email, so I might as well just keep doing it. You can say hi. Yeah, in fact, yeah, for, for any of us, if you do want to get in touch, then, uh, yeah, it's just our first name, dot last name at NZ Tech Podcast. And it is great to get a bit of feedback. So, yes, we've had um, some great feedback. Definitely, uh, you know, feel free to drop us a line. If you want to hit the team, you can email us, feedback at nztechpodcast.com. Um, and we're particularly keen to hear from our international listeners. Yes. And we had some great emails last week from uh, from some that were listening in from around the world. So thank you for that. Uh, and keep that feedback coming. Yep, cool. Now. Skip, what's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? I was going to get away without saying it this week, but no. uh, it's at Urban Kiwi NZ. Yep. Excellent, excellent. Okay, cool. And of course, as always, you can find NZ Tech Podcast online, nztechpodcast.com, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast, and we're on Twitter at nztechpodcast. So that's us. That's another episode all wrapped up. See you, llamas. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later. Bye. <laughs> 